Um, first of all, I want to thank you, Pastor Shannon, and all the congregation for this opportunity today. Thank you, Pastor Mark, all the staff. I just ask you to stay with me and be with me throughout this journey. Uh, you know that classes are soon to start. You know, I think it's two weeks from now. Is it? Yeah? So I'm going to ask you today to pretend that this is a classroom. Okay? So let's go back to classes again. Okay? Will you stay with me? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, and I'm going to ask you to please read some passages with me. Okay? Will you do that for me today? Yes? Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Because we are pretending that this is a classroom, I have some things here that I want to show you so you can remember, okay? We're going to go back to elementary school, go back to high school, so I'm going to ask you some questions to see if you're ready for the next semester, okay, or the next start. So I have some things here that I want to show you. So you're going to tell me, okay, if you remember these things from your childhood. So do you remember this? Okay. Yes? Was it a happy time when you were using this in, like, elementary school? Yes? Okay, great. And then I'm going to show you some things that I have here. Do you remember your art classes? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? yeah. Okay. So if I show you these colors, please tell me. Yellow. What? Okay, yellow, red, kind of red, and blue. Can you see it from there? Yes? Do you remember how you call this, th these colors here? Red? yellow primary colors. And what happens if you mix them? If you mix the two of them, oh, sorry, secondary colors. Okay, so if you mix these two, what do you have? Green. Green. Okay, so if you mix these two here? Orange. Okay, great. And if you mix these two here? Purple. Okay, but until you don't mix them, they still are separate colors, okay? They are primary colors. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions about math. Okay. <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> okay. Let me see. If I ask you about the multiplication tables, if I ask you 8 times 5. Okay, 5 times 8. Okay, great. 8 times 8. 64. Okay, the value of pi or p, you say p or pi, I don't know how. 3.14. Okay, excellent. I have, <laughs> I have to tell you something. While I was studying, you know, I was studying for my BA, I had a nightmare. But a nightmare that it was so frequent, it was so frequent that it was incredible. So I, when I had this nightmare, I woke up in the middle of the night and my heart was pounding, but pounding like crazy. I, my nightmare was like this. I was about to finish my BA, but because I failed math, from secondary school, they were not giving me my BA because I needed to go back to secondary school and take my math class again. Math, to me, was a nightmare. It was very difficult, very difficult. So I had this dream over and over. It was, to me, it wasn't a dream. It was a nightmare, okay? Because I don't like math. But some people do like math. Like my, my husband, he loves numbers, so to him, Everything related to numbers is very easy. But to me, it was very difficult. So that's why to me it was a nightmare. 
So now I'm going to go, we talk about our classes, we talk about math. Now I want to ask you something about grammar, English grammar. Okay, are you happy or not? <laughs> okay, so we have a word there between life and God. Can you tell me what kind of word is that one? It is a preposition. And <laughs> you're right. So, and when do you use prepositions or what type of word? What, what do they show? Okay, so if, if something is up or down, okay, so those are prepositions. So they show, they show what? Direction, maybe, or what? Connection, I like that word, okay? They show, very good, Tyler. <laughs> They prepositions show the relationship between one word and the other, okay? So they show the relationship between one word and the other. So in this case, we have, we're going to see the relationship between life and God. But can you see there that I didn't use it with God? I use life in God, because it is completely different to live your life with God than to live your life in God. Do you agree with that? Amen? Okay, so now that we, <laughs> we saw the relationship between those two words, I would like the verse that I want to share with you today the verse that I want to talk about to you, the verse that has been with me for many years, and God spoke to me many times through this verse, is this one here. And I would like someone of you to read it in a loud voice. Who can help me with that? Who do you want? Who wants to read this verse? Okay, Daniel, in a loud voice, please. For in him, God, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Acts 17, 28. And that's Acts 17, 28. So I want to share with you today this verse. It says, for in him, in God, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we all of us, we are his offspring, okay? So we're going to stop and pray, please, okay? So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for, this, for, uh, for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you because you speak through your word to our hearts. And I ask you today, Lord, be our teacher today. As we sit at your feet, Jesus, we want you to teach us everything that we need to learn today through your power, your mercy, and to your glory only. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to share a little bit of this verse, the context where Paul was speaking this to the people in Athens. It was at the council. It was on Mars Hill. It was an audience that was completely different from the different audiences that he had before. Because before, he was used to teach 
in every synagogue, wherever he was invited, there were Jews there, and he was trying to, 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 tell, to, sorry, to tell them about Jesus Christ, about the resurrection, the crucifixion, and the, the, the resurrection, okay? But this audience was completely different because this audience, um, in this case, we are talking about mainly philosophers, you know about Athens. It was a beautiful city. It was the uh, great cultural center. It was, you know, like everything. It seems that everything started there. And they had like many, many, many idols to the point that some people called Athens the god idol, the capital, the god. Let me tell you exactly because I have it here, okay? Uh, some people call uh, Athens, the god capital of the world, because of the many idols that they had. And you remember the story about this, where he starts speaking in this chapter 17, and he said to them, like, gentlemen of Athens, I know in, your, in all respects that you are an extremely religious people, because they had all kinds of idols, and they had this, remember, that they said to the god unknown. There's one there that was called the God unknown because they didn't have a name for that one. But they put that in case, just in case, you know, because they didn't want to be punished or they, they wanted the blessing. So just in case, let's have this God unknown here. We don't have a name, but we can run to him and ask him for a blessing or maybe please don't punish me, okay? But they didn't have a name. So where Paul was speaking to an audience that they didn't, it was the first time that they were going to listen about Jesus, about the crucifixion and about the resurrection. So they were very skeptical because try to imagine they were philosophers when you are a philosopher, when you study and study and you devote yourself to studying so much, sometimes there's little room for faith. So he was there, and this was part of his second missionary trip, okay? And this was the audience there, and they were eager to uh, listen to something new because they, you know, they were told about different things, but this was new because it wasn't a man-made religion. So they were there, and Paul was there. And Paul was trying to attract, like to, for them to pay attention to this message. And what he did is he quoted the first part of the verse. He quoted that from one of the philosophers there. And he quoted the second part of the verse from another philosopher there. One from, was for, uh, was, um, they were called the Epicureans. Am I pronouncing it that right? Okay. And the, the other ones were the Stoics, okay? So they were completely different. But he was trying, he was trying to make a point. So what he did is he used something that they knew common ground for them. So, because if, he's, if Paul had started like talking about, you know, all, you know, the Jews and the Jewish tradition, that was foreign to them. So he started talking about something that they knew. So he talked about something that he brought from two of the philosophers there. So, are you with me? Say with me? Okay. So he said to them, you are an extremely religious people. 
And he said to them, you know what? The God, this God unknown that you have here, he doesn't live in temples made by human hands, nor is he ministered to by human hands. You think that he's far away, but he's not far away. And he said to them, even though you think that he's far away, he's not far away because in him, in God, we live. In him, we move. And in him, we have our being. He's not far away from you. And if you take a look around at our society, many people, they say that they are believers, but to them, God is still unknown because they don't have a relationship with God, okay? They only know about God, but they don't have a relationship with him. So for many people today, God is still unknown. So what I want you to uh, share with me is this feeling that God to us is not unknown because we don't live with him. We live in him. We don't move with him. We move in him. And we don't have our identity with him. We have our identity in him and him alone. Okay? So I have different versions of this um, verse. And one of the versions says that God doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. Another version says that it is by his power that we live. Thank you. So it is by his power that we live. Okay? So this is the first part of the verse that I want to share with you. In him, in God, we live. And uh, because we are in a class setting today, I use the dictionary and I want to share with you the definition of live. The definition of live is to spend your life in a particular way. To spend your life in a particular way. And I want to ask you a question today. Guess what? In which way? In which way? Is it in our way or is it in God's way? God wants us to spend our life in his way. Okay? That's the way he wants us to spend our lives. And he created us. If you can see this from the beginning of creation, because he created Adam and Eve to live in constant fellowship with them. If you check, if you go, I'm not going to read everything. I have my notes here, but I don't, I'm not going to read uh, everything. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 2, the creation, God creating Adam and Eve, he's, it says here, it's Genesis uh, 2, 7, and 8, if you want to read it later. And God formed man of the dust of the ground. You know the verse. And man became a living soul. And the man that God had created, the man that God had formed, he put, um, he put a garden, a beautiful garden for the man to take care of that. And God's presence was there. God's presence was in that garden. And when God created Adam and Eve, his purpose was to fellowship with them every day, to be with them. 
That was the purpose of creation. So we can see in Genesis chapter 2 that there's creation and there's purpose. God had a purpose for them and there's fellowship. Remember these three words. Can we um, say them aloud? Creation, creation, purpose, and fellowship. So that was Genesis chapter 2. But if we move just a little step, we move to Genesis chapter 3. What happens in Genesis chapter 3? Do you remember that? Sin. What else? What can we, there's a, a, usually a name for that. The chapter is called what? The fall. So between Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, we have creation, purpose, and fellowship, and then the fall. We have sin. And because of sin, there was a gap there. This gap, sin created a gap between the presence and the fellowship and man. Because of that, life before sin was very simple. They were in the garden. They were, you know, uh, enjoying everything. It was very pleasant. And it was very simple. But after the fall, Life became very complex and complicated, very complicated. And I would say, sin created a gap, but God, but God created a way for man to be back to him and to have an unbroken fellowship with him because he wants us to live in him. So God created a way. He wanted us to enjoy unbroken fellowship with him, his presence 24-7, all the time. And that was Jesus coming to save us. The gap, the bridge, everything that was there, the, the gap that sin created, Jesus Christ came so that relationship could be restored. And we have Jesus, and we don't need a whole set of rituals, a whole set of sacrifices, a whole set. You know, we don't have to run to a priest to ask them to intercede for us. We have Jesus. And Jesus is the way, the way that we needed to enjoy, again, our life 24-7 in God. I want to read, I want to share with you a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul was talking to the church in Corinth. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and it's verse number 9. And it says, God is faithful, who has called you, every one of us. He called us by our names because he knows our names. He called us into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He called you and me, you, Shannon. He called you, Julia. He called every one of us into fellowship with him. But we need to live in him. Because if we live with him, that fellowship is broken. Sometimes we are with him. Sometimes we leave him. Okay? So, but if we are in him and he's around us, there's no way 
that I can, you know, attach myself to him and detach myself from him. No, in him, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, he's there for you to have fellowship, constant communion with him. Amen? And I was reading a book by um, Richard Foster. He's one of my favorite authors, you know. And uh, he writes about all the believers, like believers from long time ago. Not now, but long time ago. And he said that those believers, they had a profoundly simple approach to life. And that approach to life was to go through all the activities, all the activities in your day, in a joyful awareness of God's presence. My question is, are we aware of God's presence 24-7? Every minute of our lives, are we aware of that? That he is here. That he is, uh, when I go home, he is there. When I go to work, he's there. Are we aware of that? I leave you to think about that. And now I want to share the next slide. So this is a quote from uh, Richard Foster from Prayer. And he says something about that. Uh, let's see, who can, who can read it for me? This life of unbroken fellowship is not automatic or effortless. This should not surprise us. Anything worth anything always takes effort. From Prayer by R. Foster. So this life, if we want to live a life of unbroken fellowship, it's not easy, it's not that simple, it takes time, but it's something that is worthy. Would you like to have this unbroken fellowship with God in your life, this presence of God every day, every minute of your life? Do you want that for you? I really want that for myself. I really want to live my life in him, live in him. It's not easy. It's not automatic. It's not effortless. It comes with time and, you know, mainly time. We need to be aware that it takes time. But if we are willing, God is always there waiting for us. Amen? So the next part of the verse says, in him, in God, we move. And again, I went to the dictionary and tried to find a meaning for move or function. And the dictionary says, move is to cause to progress, to change, or happen in a particular way or direction. To cause to progress, change, or happen in a particular way or direction. Do you imagine, can you imagine which way or direction, which is the particular way or direction that we should move? Is it our way or is it God's way? God's way. It is God's way. He created us to function, to move in a particular way, and it is God's way, okay? And if you go to, uh, if you go to Greek, this word in Greek means to go, to stir, to move, but also means way. Move in Greek means way. And God always wants us to move in his will, 
his way. And I want to share a story from the Bible. It's about a prophet that you know very well, who God called and God gave him very specific geographic coordinates. Can you imagine the name of that prophet? Yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, God was very specific, was very specific to him. And he said to him in Jonah chapter 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, it was an ancient capital of Assyria. And he said, God said to him, Go to Nineveh, to that great city, and cry against it. And then it says, But Jonah rose up and flee to where? The other way. <laughs> exactly. He flee. Yes, in this case, he says, Jonah rose up, rose up and flee to? Yes, you're right. The opposite direction. Jonah had his own agenda. He has his own plans. He had this from the Lord, this specific calling from the Lord. But he said, you know what? I don't want to go there. I don't want. I have my own agenda, you know. And uh, I wanted to ask you if God has spoken to you, if God has um, spoken to you and uh, if God has revealed his plan to you. When you were praying, maybe God said to you, Arise, go to this place. Arise, move in this specific direction. Arise, go and do this or that. What happened at that moment? Are we obedient sometimes or most of the times or on rare occasions? It's hard when the word comes with a specific, with a specific calling for your life because you either obey immediately or sometimes you start doubting because you had, you have, I have my own agenda. You say, God, I have my own agenda. I want to move in this particular direction. I want to go to this school. I want to study this or I want to take this job, you know. And Jonah, instead of following God's ordained agenda for his life, he followed his own man-ordained agenda. And what happened? Do you remember what happened to him? What happened to him? Exactly. So, I don't want to talk about that experience because <laughs> I don't want to uh, stay uh, for long in like this point, but do you, can you imagine how hard it was for him when he realized that instead of following God's plan for his life, he followed his own will and he ended up there. The darkness, the pain, the sadness, everything. I cannot imagine how hard it was for him. And sometimes the same happens to us, you know, because we have our own agenda. We are doing many things. And sometimes we're doing many things for God. But um, one thing is to do things. But another thing is to produce something. I want to talk to you about these two different verbs, okay? One thing is to do. God tells you. God calls you. And instead of doing what he wants you to do, you start doing your own thing, okay? And you do and you do and you do and you do because you don't want to obey God's calling because it involves a lot maybe, okay? So, but you do, do, do. And when you go to bed at night, 
and you think about all the things that you were doing during the day. My question is, sometimes we do a lot, but do we accomplish what God wants us to accomplish? Because there are two different things. You can do many things, and if you check my schedule, like some years ago, my like schedule was like crazy. It was appointments and this and that. It was all over, every day. But one day, when I sat at my desk and I saw that, I realized that I was doing, doing, and I'm going to tell you, do is to perform an action. But it doesn't mean do is not a synonym of achieving. Doing is not a synonym of achieving. Doing is not a synonym of accomplishing. And we might be doing many things, but not producing the change that God, God wants us to produce in this time for our lives. So what I did at that time, and I would like to invite you to do the same in this case, there were many, many unproductive activities in my life, many of them. So I asked God what he wanted me to do. And I start, you know, crossing out many of the things that I had in my own agenda because I really wanted to start doing what God wanted, wanted me to do, not my own plans, not my own appointments. I wanted his appointment, his plans for my life. So God doesn't want us to live in this dichotomy, okay? This is my agenda, and I move like I want, and this is your agenda, God. He doesn't want us to have these dichotomies. He wants us to put everything together. He doesn't want us to have secular activities and like sacred, you know, or divine. You say, this is a secular appointment. This is a divine appointment. To God, everything is divine. Everything, everything is divine. So I want to tell you that I was listening to a pastor, and this pastor was speaking about, again, God's agenda and our agenda. And he said that this pastor, his name is Smith, and he wrote a book that the name is Heaven So Near So Far. And he was talking about people who... They have their own agenda, and when their own agenda doesn't match, my own agenda doesn't match what God wants for my life, so I detach my agenda from God's, and I continue living, you know, in my own ways. But when God's plans, they fit, you know, or they match what I want, then you come attach to his agenda again. That, that's why he was calling this heaven so near so far, because it seems that sometimes we are so near to this God that is so near to us. Sometimes it seems that we are so far from him. So God wants us to move in him. We need to pray and ask God, God, I surrender my agenda to you. This is not my agenda anymore. This is your agenda. And I want to share something with you about my plans and my life. And like long ago, many, many, many years ago, God started talking to me about coming to Canada. Get up, go to Canada. Go to bed, go to Canada. Go to um, work, go to Canada. It was that prompting again and again and again and again. At that time, I was living in Argentina. And... Uh, like Jonah, 
I, want, I didn't want to pay attention to that because going to Canada from Argentina was a lot of money. It was a lot of effort. It was a lot of everything, a lot of sacrifice. And it meant to me leaving one daughter behind. And I can't tell you what God, when God asks you to do something, it's very easy sometimes to leave all the material things that you have. You can leave your house, you can leave a car that you have, you can leave your plans and everything that you have in that specific place. But what that calling involves coming to a place and leaving one daughter, I have only two daughters, leaving one daughter behind. I didn't want to be obedient to the calling. It was too much to me. It, it still is too much. People who know me very well, they know how much I miss my, my eldest daughter. And for many years, he spoke to me, go to Canada, go to Canada, go to Canada, go to Canada. Until one time I said, God, well, God, I cannot live like this anymore. It seems that I have to go to Canada. So I talked to my husband. He's here today. And it was very hard for us because we left everything there. He left his whole, fam whole family and uh, our daughter and friends and a life, his business, everything, everything. So I want to say thank you in front of all of you to my husband for coming here with me, for being obedient, even though we didn't understand, like at that time we didn't understand anything. The only word, and I didn't have the specific, you know, specific place like Jonah, go to Nineveh. Didn't have that, but God gave me a promise. When he said, go to Canada, he said to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He never did. Never. He was faithful every step of the way. He is faithful today. I can tell you, when he calls you and he says, move over and over and over again, please move. Because you are not moving with him. You are moving in him. And that's totally different. Totally different. So I pray at that time and I said, God, this is not my agenda anymore. I surrender my plans to you. And when I, you say go, I will go. And if you say stay, I will stay. And if you say move, I will move. Because I really want to do your will. Not my will, not my plans, not my purposes. I want your will for my life. I want to live my life in you. I want to move in you. But you know what? This process, this whole process, it starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. And I want to share with you the next slide, please. And I, I will tell you why it starts in your mind. Pastor Mark, can you read that one for me, please? There is a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we would be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting with all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we must also be in prayer, 
and adoration, song and worship, and a gentle receptiveness to God's divine breathings. From the Testament of Devotion by Thomas Kelly. So, I said that it starts in your mind because we have to be receptive to God, God's still, small voice. We have to listen carefully. You can be doing all that, all that, okay? You can be discussing, seeing, doing. You can be meeting all the demands of external, external affairs. But within all the things that you are doing, Behind that, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, you can be in prayer and adoration, and you can be receptive to God's small voice speaking to your life, saying, move. I want you to go to this place. I want you to speak to that person. I want you to move to this particular, um, I don't know, maybe neighborhood. This place is where you, I want you to be. But we need to be receptive, because if we are not, then it's very hard to follow God's leading for our lives. So this is, this is a quote from Thomas Kelly. He's a philosopher and a teacher uh, from, the, from the States. And I wanted to share it with you because it's really, sometimes we are involved in so many things, like seeing, calculating, doing uh, different things. But we need to be receptive to God's voice and move when he, when he says, move. Amen? Move. Be receptive to that voice. Take time to listen to his voice. Because if you move when he says move, you are moving in God's divine direction. God's divine direction. Now I want to share the third part of the verse with you, okay? It says, and in God, in God, we have our been or our identity. Can you tell me what this is, please? Passport, okay? And they ask you for a passport when? Like when you go to um, the border, they ask you a passport, your passport for? To show what? Citizenship. Yes, yes, you're, you're right. And what else? Your identity. There's a picture here, and... I can't show it to you because you're far away, okay? <laughs> okay? So, this passport shows my identity. And if you, look, if you look for the definition of identity, identity is who you are. The qualities that make you different from other people. And you know that uh, this word, being, that is related to your identity, in Greek, again, it means exist. So when you read this, and in God we have our identity or our being, it is, it is the same as saying, in God we exist. In God we exist. It's very emphatic. And it means it was, am, have been, like all the tenses together, okay? So when we read this, my identity, my being is in God. Again, I want to share something with you from my story, my personal story. So if you take a look at this passport, if you read the last name here, my maiden's last name, if, you, if I look at this last name, my last name is a synonym of depression because depression 
was in every generation from my great grandfather to my grandmother to my father. So if you say my last name, doesn't mean depression. I'm not telling that my last name means depression. I can tell you that all the generations with this last name, depression, 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 and depression. So every time I hear my last name, I remember all this, you know, my great-grandfather, he didn't have any problem at all, but he suffered from depression. And he one day went to bed, and he stayed there in bed until he died. This is on my father's side, okay? That's one, my last name. My grandmother, again, on my father's side, she suffered from depression. It was so severe to the day that she committed suicide. My father suffers from depression. I don't remember any day in my childhood without hearing my father crying so hard for days, crying and crying and crying because of the severe depression in his life. And when I came to Christ and I accepted him as my Savior, I received a new identity. And I can say by faith that depression is not going to take my life because my identity is rooted in God. And even though all the previous generations suffer from severe depression, it won't come to me. And if it comes to me, I will quote the word and I will, I will say, you know what? My identity, my being is in God and you have nothing to do with me. You did all that to my previous generations, but you're not going to do it with me. Because my being is rooted in Jesus Christ. And I am a new creature in him. I have another thing to tell you. Because of the divorce, my parents divorced like... They were really, I would say, really... They were married, but never married. But one day they divorced. So they, they lived in different places. So because of the divorce... My father, my earthly father, rejected me and my mother. He rejected my mother, so because I was the daughter, you know, <laughs> female. <laughs> so he rejected my mother and he rejected me. And some years ago, my father, my earthly father, called my... I have only one brother, only one. So he called my brother and he said to my brother... You know what? From this day onwards, you are my only child. Monica is dead to me. I don't want to I don't want anything to do with her. She's not alive to me. Her two girls are not my grandchildren. You are my only child. That's what he told my brother. Okay? So to my earthly father, I am dead. Completely dead. My children are not his grandchildren. But that's my earthly father. But my heavenly father says that in him I have my identity. So my life now has a new color. When I told you about this 
Remember the colors that you mixed? My life in God has a new color. I don't need to remember all the things from the past. I don't need to remember all the parts, the, the, the sadness and everything from, from before. Because in him, I have a new color. When you mix the colors and you have a new color, that's a new life. And to me, this is a new identity, a new color. When I accepted Jesus Christ and when... You know, old memories from the past want to come to my life and want to make me like remember everything. I remember the second part of this verse that say, I am his offspring. I am his generation. I am his child. I am his lineage. I am a daughter of God. I am God created. That's what I remember. I don't remember all the different parts from the past. I remember that this is a new day, a new life in Christ. And when I want to really reinforce that, I read this passage and I say to myself, for I, I am God's handiwork created again with Christ or in Christ created in which God prepare in advance for us to do okay can we read it again together please can we read it again for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 I am created in Christ. I am his. And you know that this word, handiwork, in some other versions it says workmanship, and it means that it's like a fabric, a product, you know, a thing that is made. So when all these sad memories want to come to my life, I said to myself, I always say to myself, I am, I am God's. He created me. He is my heavenly father. And because I don't have an earthly father to run to, I always run to my heavenly father. If there's a, an earthly father that doesn't want to receive you, there's a heavenly father who is always, 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 always there for you with open arms to receive you, to hug you, to kiss you, to say, I am here. Live in me. Move in me. Have your identity in me. That's his invitation today. And I want to share very quickly the application for this. So I would like, so because this was a class, so this is homework. So you're going to take some homework, please. And during the week, could you please, could you please meditate on these questions that I have here for you? Could you please meditate on them? Linda, could you please read the first one, please? Am I living my life in God or with God? Which one should we choose? If it is true and false, or options, multiple options, which one should we choose? In God. Amen. The second one. Okay, Harold. Yes, please. Is my life divided into two different segments? That is, 
secular, religious, or sacred? Is, is my life divided into two segments? Like, two segments, it could be like a line. This is my religious life, this is my secular life. And you know what? The meaning of secular has to do with, uh, um, I have it here for you, <laughs> worldly, you know? But it's also something that happens once in an age. Secular means that it doesn't happen very often. If you go to the dictionary, that's the meaning of the, you know, I love words, okay? So at the beginning, you notice that I, I don't like math, but I love words, okay? So secular means that you do that once in an age, very rarely. It also means worldly. In this case, is my life divided into two different sections? God doesn't want us to have a religion, like relate with us. He doesn't want us to live in, a, in like a, a set of practices. He wants us to have a relationship, a relationship that is dynamic. He doesn't want religion. He wants relationship, okay? So, which one should we choose here? Sacred. Everything. Everything from you, when you get up in the morning till you go to bed, everything is divine because you live in God. The last one. Can we read the last one, please? Okay, Harold, yes, please. Am I trying to practice a life of unbroken fellowship, constant communion with God on a daily basis? Or do I connect with him at a deeper level only when struggling or failing in life? Do I practice this unbroken fellowship? I have to be very honest, you know. I ran to him before. I ran to him mostly when I had problems. But I don't want that. I want to be in him, in his presence all the time. Because he's my father and he's with open arms, always there for me. Not when you struggle, mainly when you struggle, but he's there all the time. But we tend to, when things go very well, we tend to detach ourselves from him. When we are struggling, then we come closer. God is always close to you, always, always. This is regarding living. Can we go and move to the next one, please? So the second one was, you remember? The first one, leave. The second, move. So the questions that I have for this week, please go home and meditate on them and try to see if there's something that we, can, we need to change. Is my agenda synchronized with God's plan and purposes for my life? Is it synchronized? True or false? <laughs> is it synchronized? I will go to my home and check all my appointments for this week. The second one. Phil, please. Am I willing to prune the unproductive activities to be more productive in God's hands? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing? The last one, please. I'm going to read it for you. Am I willing to go when God says go? Stay when he says stay and move when he says move. Am I willing to do it? Don't be like me. It was many years. I delayed the decision for how many years, Santiago? <laughs> okay, more than 10. And now it's been nine years in Canada. Nine. 
nine years in Canada. And he was always faithful. Never once, like the song, remember the song? Never once did I ever walk alone. Never once. He was faithful. The last one has to do with your identity. So, Esther, would you like to read it for me, please? Am I allowing God to shape my identity in him? Or do I pay more attention to what other people say or state about me? Am I allowing God to shape my, ide my identity in him? I don't want depression. I don't want sadness to shape my identity. I want God to shape my identity in him. Amen? And I don't pay attention whenever that, you know, conversation between my father and my brother saying that Monica is dead to me, that's in the past. I don't pay attention to that because to my father, I can be dead, but to my loving father, I am alive and he has plans for me and I want to be obedient to his calling for my life. Amen. The next one, Pastor Mark. Is my whole being rooted in God or are there parts of me which are still feeding on and dwelling in painful memories? If there are parts of you that are still dwelling in painful memories, I can tell you, this is a new day. This is a new day. So run to God and ask him, please, God, take all those painful memories because I want to live in you, move in you, and have my identity in you. The last one. Am I memorizing what the Bible declares about my true identity in God? Or am I replaying all tapes over and over and over and over again? Because today is a new day, and because we want to live in God, I would like to go back to the, to the uh, verse, Ephesians chapter 2, that one, yes. Because this is a new day, I want you to go home with this promise of God in your heart, not your mind, but your heart. Remember this, you are God's handiwork. You are created in Christ. And you, you, you were created for a specific time like this and for a specific calling that God hath, has for your life. Don't, don't continue living with God, being Him. Could we pray together? After the prayer, I would like to invite you, if this is a new day for you and you want to come to, um, come to the front and surrender your life again and say, God, I want to start living in you. I want to be obedient to your calling for my life. Please come to the front and open your heart before God. Surrender your life again to him and say, God, I'm nothing, nothing without you. I need you. I need you today. Please take my life. Make it new. Please take over. God, take over. Take my life. Take it, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you so much this morning. Your presence is here, Lord. You love us so deeply. You want us to start a new relationship. You want us to be in you, Lord. 
100%. You don't want just part of our life. You want everything from us because you gave everything for us, Lord. Jesus, when you came to the cross and you paid a price for us, you didn't keep anything for yourself. You gave it all, Lord. So that's why today, Lord, we want to come before you and say, God, if I was living my life with you, I want to start living it in you, Lord. Please take over. Take over. All my, all my plans, all, like everything that I had in mind, Lord, my agenda, my schedule, Lord, take over. Please, Lord. Please. Please. I want to walk in your ways, Lord. I want to be with you 24-7. I want your presence. Your presence is heaven to me, Lord. There's nothing else here. Nothing else that I want <clears throat> more. I want your presence, Lord. I love your presence. I love you, Lord. And I surrender my life to you once again. Once again, I give my life to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. Please take it. Please take my life as an offering, Lord, in Jesus' name. Please take it. Be my life. My life be pleasing to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.